0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Journey to Conquer. My name's Emma Jackson, and each week I'll be having a conversation with somebody who's taken part in our Cape York Walk for Mental Health Awareness, Conquer the Corrugations. I'll have a conversation with somebody who's keen to share their personal story. It may be a journey of hope, of inspiration. I hope you enjoy the episode this week. To get me away from feeling like This week I'd like to welcome Marita. Marita lives up in Weepa, has taken part in Conquer the Corrugations for four years now on a horse. And here she shares her story. Hi Marita, how are you going? I'm good, thank you, Emma. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on to A Journey to Conquer and talking to us today. My pleasure. How have you been up there in Weeper?
1: Probably like every other human on this planet, a little overwhelmed and um, unsure of um, many things and many things changing in
0: life. But on a whole, I'm doing okay. That's awesome, Marita. But you have a passion for your horses. So is that keeping you going at the moment? Absolutely. I did have
1: a frightening moment when I thought that, um, you know, they did say to us that horses were non-essential and that feeding them wasn't an essential activity until I brought up welfare issues and then we were allowed out to them. So it was good. It's my saving grace.
0: <laughs> absolutely. And not just animal welfare issues but the welfare of, of you being a mother of a mob of horses. Oh, absolutely. Um, and,
1: you know, all the other horse owners as well, yeah, that's that's what keeps them mentally stable a lot of the time (laughs) they have that release and go out to their horse and and we all have unique relationships with them it would be hard for those that are in lockdown and unable to go and see their horses
0: yes yes absolutely so marita if you're happy um just to have a bit of a conversation around conquer the corrugations around you your journey and just share with us a little bit of your background who are you marita (laughs) <laughs> if only I
1: knew who I was. Um, you know, I'm a horse mad girl that has done many different things through the horse industry. I left home at 16 and did a two-year horse management course that um, then led on to working on some of Australia's biggest studs, like horse studs, for a couple of years, and then I became an apprentice jockey at 19. <laughs> wow. um, I was... I was pretty old, and they used to call me Grandma. Those lovely apprentices uh, were like, you know, fourteen or fifteen years of age, and so I was seen as a senior citizen. And also, a female in a male-dominated world was um, quite an experience. But I was very successful, and I was a leading apprentice jockey. And in my fourth year of my apprenticeship. I fell from a horse and broke my neck in three places and took a nick out of the spinal cord. Told me that um, I may never walk again, but you know, I'm a pretty tenacious person and you know, I'm not afraid of hard work and they said whatever you get back in the first two years is what physical movement you'll have for the rest of your life and I've certainly proved them wrong. You know, I keep adapting and keep improving even 26 years later.
0: So, so Marita, you make you make it sound like, oh yeah, I was an apprentice jockey, it was pretty tough, then I fell off a horse, broke my neck, they told me I'd never walk again. You make it sound so matter of fact. When you talk about this, does it still bring up that, any raw emotion from what happened? Um, absolutely not.
1: Um, I, you know, I don't, regret what happened to me because it did change me as a person and probably made me into a better person and a more compassionate and understanding person. Um, And, you know, it tested my strength and I came out the other side still as positive as ever. So it is kind of matter of fact. I had no choice um, as to it happening to me and what physical effects I was left with. But the choice I did have as to whether I chose to um, do all that I could possibly do to get better or whether I was just going to sit in my wheelchair and give up. Um, And there was only one logical choice for me. I don't know. It does sound a bit clinical, (laughs) doesn't it? But that's the way that I've always got through things, Um, you know, face it head on and go hell for leather.
0: That's, that, and that's awesome. So, so carry, carry on your story, uh, Marita. I but I didn't ask you a question. You go for it. Well, that's okay. Um,
1: along my journey of um, healing, you know, I, um, I just needed to get back on a horse and be around horses. Um, you know, mentally I wasn't doing very well nine months after my accident and I was struggling to you know with all the changes you got spoken to differently while you're in a wheelchair people spoke to you really slow as if there was something wrong with your head um not you know not a physical issue and you became sort of like a second-class citizen and there were all sorts of unique challenges for me when you went shopping like you know you might want something and it's on the top shelf how do you get that from a wheelchair Mm. (laughs) Um, you know, simple things like going to the ATM in those days, the ATMs weren't at wheelchair height. Um, you know, curbs in um, shopping centres and around your own home were often not suitable for wheelchairs and, you know, I soon learnt that I wasn't a very good wheelchair user and I flipped myself out so many times and I figured that I was probably going to, like, break my neck again if I continued on the path I was going along. So, I just worked even harder to learn to walk again. Um, And once I got back on a horse, um, you know, it was a pretty scary experience um, for me because I had broken my neck off a horse. There was no pain involved with breaking my neck because I couldn't feel anything from the neck down. So I didn't associate horses with any pain, but there was still fear. Mm. You know, fear that I might fall off again. So I did it through riding for the disabled and um, <laughs> the first horse I got on was called Rowdy and he was certainly rowdy by name but not by nature and yeah you know, he, he taught me that I could trust again it took me a long way and through riding for the disabled I realized, like they told me that I could compete at the state level and if I was any good I could go national and then on to an international level and that they now had like equestrian um, in the Paralympic Games. And so I was all for that. <laughs> I set along a path where I just gained as much knowledge as I possibly could about dressage, which was totally different from going flat out on a racehorse. And my first ever competition was um, the Atlanta Paralympics Qualifiers. And I proudly hold the record for the fastest ever dressage test in history, (laughs) Um, but I certainly made a lot of people sit up and have a look and say, oh, gosh, ride!" and, you know, if she learns then um, she could be a very good team member. So I was instantly put on the talent squad um, and given so much information. And, um, you know, Sydney 2000 became my my new goal, I wanted to go to Sydney 2000 Paralympics. And so I i just kept competing and I was very lucky to compete internationally in New Zealand, getting selected for Sydney 2000. And I pretty much won most of my competitions from in Australia and overseas. And so I certainly was selected. And it was a great atmosphere. My whole family could come along to the Paralympics and um, cheer me on! Yeah, you know, certain certain challenges because at that time um, there was a pool of horses and drawn out of a hat and um, linked up to your name and that's the horse you got to ride. And I drew um, a chestnut mare. Now I'd fallen off a chestnut mare um, in a race and broken my neck, and yeah, so it was kind of a scary experience to have to ride a chestnut mare because I'd managed to just say no every time anyone said, oh, I have a ride on this one
0: and it was a chestnut
1: mare. I'd just go, oh, no, sorry. (laughs) So I had to overcome that fear. And, you know, at the end of the day, I ended up coming home with a bronze medal. So it was an amazing journey. (laughs) I like setting challenges where I get to succeed.
0: Oh, but Marita, that's um. How did you feel getting picked for the squad to take part in the Sydney Paralympics? How did that feel? Oh, that was just a bone, uh, like
1: the best thing in the world. Because you know, I had all about setting goals and having achievable goals. I always had that big pie in the sky, you know, dream of winning a gold medal. But I also had different levels all the way down to not being selected and how I would cope with that. So as soon as I was selected, you know, I had (laughs) won. You know, I had reached a major goal. And, you know, the journey at the Paralympics is amazing people that you meet, the amazing, um, you know, things that they've overcome. A lot of them made me look like an able-bodied athlete, (laughs) So it was really grounding and um, humbling at the same time because, you you know, you didn't have to look far to find someone that was way worse off than yourself. And, in fact, um, there were competitions within the village, you know, who was the most disabled person, had the best limp and, you know, who had the best-looking prosthetic leg or, you know, it was know, there was a lot of fun in competition. Yes, we were all very competitive but out of competition, you know, the majority were people that, you know, had that sense of achievement themselves just from being selected.
0: It's quite a story though, isn't it? Just not just, it's quite a story going from um, an apprentice, apprentice jockey to winning bronze in the Sydney Paralympics. So, so what was next? What did you, what was your next objective? or next goal? After Sydney? Mm. Um. Uh, It was definitely a a four-year
1: journey um, to Athens Paralympics and for that four years I just concentrated on training, learning, competing, travelling the world, (laughs) riding horses. Um, By the end of my career I'd represented Australia on 13 occasions um, on the international stage. So you had to go international in order to qualify um, to ride at a Paralympic Games. And so, yeah, that became my, my world was just learning more about dressage, getting the lessons, riding as many different horses as I possibly could. So how long have you been up in Weeper, Marita? Um, this is my ninth year uh, that I've been
0: in Weeper. It has gone very quick, actually. Uh, Yeah, it does. It does. I've been up here 17 years now and it just flies. So tell me about Conquer. Um, What made you participate in Conquer the Corrugations walk? Um, Firstly, that I could
1: ride a horse for uh, two days and it would be a challenge for me to even make it. And, you know, I was looking for my next challenge.
0: So what was the sort of time frame you could
1: stay on a horse? I retired from the Paralympic squad because my body was um, not putting up to the high level of training. But I used to spend probably between an hour and a half and three hours on horses a day training. So, yeah, that was pretty much my my limit. Um, The beauty of Conquer is that you can go at whatever pace you like, but it still is awfully challenging.
0: And there's not only that; it's the camping out. So, conquer the corrugations is effectively three nights of camping. You need a support person to help you with your horses, um, watering them, feeding them, carting them out of Weeper down to Cohen and, and supporting you along the road. How did you manage with all that? Well, I have the best husband in the world.
1: Um, you know, very, very blessed. He is the kindest man. He's he was non-horsey, complete rides, or his sister had a horse when he was younger, but, um, you know, he didn't particularly like them. But now he, like, travels them all over the Cape on quite challenging roads when you're travelling a horse. And um, he does a super job and, you know, he's just so caring and he knows what his job is and he's there with water. And, you know, if he's not there, like, helping out, he's um us he's so yeah i'm blessed
0: yes he's a bit of a champion is scotty (laughs) he is (laughs) so when you the first year you took part in conquer you've done um four walks now haven't you for conquer the corrugations i have so tell me about your first one and the first one was
1: the first one was the
0: biggest challenge
1: it was the hardest for me was that I like, you know, I didn't even know whether I was going to make it um, <laughs> a third of the way, <laughs> but um, I definitely did make it. <laughs> it was amazing. And, you know, there's definitely a big crowd of people around and the horsey riders are always um, good and challenging and fun. And, you know, we help each other out and, each night when I got off the horse I really struggled to even walk or exist I think the first night I might have just fallen into bed and um, you know nearly passed out straight away <laughs> <laughs> but I had made it the first day and so I was like the second morning I like woke up and I was all very stiff but it was sort of, you had no time to think about it because it was a very, very hot day and uh, we all decided that we were going to leave a little bit earlier and um, take the horses on a slightly different trek um, through the bushland and so they had a bit more shade. But off we went and, yeah, we had a ball. And, yeah, you know, at the end just a sense of achievement, like for me personally, it was just, hell, I did it. <laughs> mm. So
0: another tick off the... Um, goal list. And so you've done four now how has that changed over the four years for you have you made it a little bit more competitive um, for yourself each year or is it a case of finishing each year what's your personal goal each year?
1: Mine's just to finish each year you know I've I've set big goals for myself and um, achieved them yeah you know, I, I got a bronze medal at Sydney 2000 Paralympics and. Mm got picked for another bronze medal at Athens by 0.02%. So, you know, my I have achieved so much. So now it's more about, you know, my own personal headspace and staying positive and, you know, keeping people on that positive path and, um, you know, the walk opens it up to have unique conversations with people and you start to realise that, you know, Every single person is in is affected some way um, by mental illness, whether it's themselves or whether it's someone in their family. Um, you know, they've all had challenges, and um, you know, we're all there for the same reason. I think initially, um, you know, our biggest thing for Scott and I was that his brother-in-law had committed suicide, and. You know, we just thought that we would do the walk in honour of him. Um, But every single person there is doing the walk in honour of someone. And they all have so many amazing stories. And I think as a community, like by the end, when we all sit down and camp and have our chats, there's so many people that have had a journey along the walk and out the other side. You know, they can see the light again. That's what I love about Conquer.
0: And, and do you find that on the walk people do share at, at a level that they might not usually share? Oh, absolutely. Like some of the
1: stories that you hear from people's mouths is just incredible and um, you wouldn't have known that or guessed that about them um, having known them prior. Yeah, you know, and it's just a, a good check to that you know the world isn't all about yourself it's about other people too and me personally through this COVID-19 thing have I found it that it is actually going to be a blessing because people are changing their attitudes and um, you know how they talk to each other and how they respect for the better you know, you've still got your wild ones that are always going to buck the system on the whole you know people are changing and becoming more aware about other people and their feelings and and being more caring and compassionate.
0: I agree. And I think there's an an appreciation for isolation. Or oh, there's, there's an appreciation for people who have lived and grown up with isolation.
1: Yeah, yourself. Like I, I've i always um, practiced um, social distancing because that's where I feel comfortable. You know, if people get a little bit too close into my space, I'll always step back, <laughs> you know, and have my own little bubble around me. Um, it's not until that, people get to know me that then you become a friend that I will hug so, so what on the, the Conquer journey I've met so Sorry. many people that have become friends um that I will now
0: hug <laughs> and some of those people you might only see <laughs> once a year on Conquer the Corrugations
1: yeah I'll, you know they probably only see me once a year too um unless they see me in um woolies or something because most of my time is either spent at home or out at the horses so life hasn't changed a great deal for me and I've always loved time on my own you know just to be able to my thoughts right and you know stay at that positive level and they can bring it back down and I can but then I go Hey, let's just find the positive path on this one.
0: So, Marita, you, you've had a heck of a journey coming from three breaks um, in your, your neck to to what you come across in this um, this chat on the podcast. But just share every single day is a struggle for you. Are you comfortable just sharing? Um, you know what what is so challenging around your day, physically and mentally? Um. Absolutely. I, I'm comfortable with um, letting
1: you all know about that. Um, pain is a constant for me. It doesn't matter what medications I've been on. Um, you know, it's always there. But I figure that the pain's there to keep me in check and make sure that I don't overdo things because I, you know, I have a um, just go hell for leather and then bust <laughs> at the end of its kind of attitude. You know, I don't, I have to think about walking. It's not a something that I do naturally. If I don't think, then I trip. (laughs) You know, there's all sorts of unique challenges like living in this body from, you know, so I've got no hot, cold sensation in, you know, three quarters of my body and it kind of crosses from one side to the other. So there are patches where I can tell it's hot water and there's patches that I can't tell that it's hot water at all, and it'll kind of feed back to the brain that it's cold water, and it's not till you burn yourself that you realise, you know, (laughs) that, oops, you know, there's there's so many unique challenges, and at the start, you know, I used to get a little bit depressed about it, Um, you know, why me, you know, why can't I change this, but I can't change any of it. So I've just got to, I just had to learn to live with it.
0: Um. Well, thank you for going into that in detail because if any of you meet Marita, um, Marita looks great, uh, looks fit, looks healthy, looks well, rides well. Um, and Marita, it would be hard to pinpoint any of any of those struggles. <laughs> it would. You do a fantastic job um, with your composure and coming across strong, capable, able, which which you are, but with your with your pains and your, your challenges.
1: Yeah, but I, you know, I owe a lot to the horses for that. You know, when I got back on a horse, my left side didn't work at all. Um, and the horse's walking action is pretty much the same as our walking action. And so it retrained my brain around the damage in the spinal cord, um, you know, to be able to walk. I think I, like retired my wheelchair three years after my accident and um you know they said that I would always have a wheelchair for longer distances um but if you tell me that I can't then I'm going to find a way to do something (laughs) my parents used to use reverse psychology with me
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've done a tremendous job. Is there anything else that you'd like to share for anybody listening to this podcast around your personal journey or Conquer the Corrugation? Is there any other tools, strategies, tips, anything else?
1: Um, Surround yourself with with people that are going to support you and that are going to bring you down. In my lifetime, I have had to cut a few people from my life and it was definitely sad, but it was detrimental to me to keep them in my life um and now I have the most amazing supportive loving people around me um you know that appreciate me for me and I don't have to put up with the bullshit that most people have to put up with in life
0: that's awesome thank you well thank you so much for taking part in this um podcast and having a chat with me Marita I think you're amazing You, you really are
1: Thank you, Em. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate that
0: you wanted to interview me. (laughs) So when I first met you, Marita, it was, um, wasn't it before Conquer? Um, Or was it after Conquer? And um, I asked Jason, I said, oh, who can I have speak at this Empowering Women's Night? Um, I need a few local women who are really strong and powerful, but have got a story to share to inspire others. And he said, Marita... He's, and it must have been after I met you that first year. And he said, "Oh, ask Marita to be your guest speaker." He said she's got an amazing story. And you came to that empowering women night and shared your story with you know thirty or forty ladies all just sitting there with their mouths open listening to you. You know, <laughs> your journey. Um, yes, have, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> has no, I and it's good that you share it. It really is. It's. Definitely a journey to be shared. Thank you so much, Marita. Okay, thanks, Marita. Goodbye. Bye, Emma. Thank you for listening to another episode. My name is Emma Jackson, and this is A Journey to Conquer. Take care.